0: Welcome to Season 1, Episode 13 of Digital Dissection, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look at our favorite properties. Today, we're carrying on like a wayward son and brushing up on our land. We're talking the CW Supernatural, a 15-season juggernaut that recently came to an end.
1: Hey, before we hop into the Impala and start saving people and hunting things, you know, the family business, we are Joe and Mark. Two dudes who love talking pop culture and bringing our passion for our favorite properties to your ears. After you listen to the show, please like, comment, subscribe, and review. Reviews are very important to this show as we continue to grow our platform. We're grateful for the ever-growing Dissection crew, and we absolutely love to hear from you. The show can now be found where you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can find us by searching for Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast. If you're not following podcast websites, you can also find us on YouTube as well as Facebook and Twitter, by searching at Digital Dissect One. Our social media sites share more pop culture news and current information, so feel free to join the conversation. Joe, I remember being introduced to Supernatural, this would have been about five or six years after it started.
0: Uh, so you you basically then picked up uh right after like the kind of like the core story was just wrapping up then,
1: yeah, like mm-hmm. season five had just hit DVDs. Uh, I won't get into too much of the personal struggle at that time, but <laughs> long, <laughs> long story short um my my wife was actually overseas. We were dating back then, and while she was gone, I thought, what could I watch consistently for the better part of five months while drinking copious amounts of crown Royal (laughs) 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 and yeah, what would enter, but five seasons of supernatural ready to greet me as a friend. And, uh, Oh yeah. My wife actually gave me the first four seasons to watch, uh, when she left. So I dusted off those DVD box sets and got hooked almost instantly.
0: Yeah. And I think it's a, I don't know, kind of kind of poetic how you you polish that off with whiskey, too, given the choices of one of the, uh, <laughs> the main characters. I'm pretty sure he'd probably take the same route as you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I felt that, you know what, even before I knew the context, there was just a, mm-hmm. a bond there that, that, you know, was formed very early on. Um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I think the best thing about Supernatural, though, is that there's there's something about the show that can appeal to pretty much any audience. Mm -hmm. Um, now the, the show itself is built on some, you know, pretty core, like core pillars, not even just from a plot standpoint, but also from the folks that were involved in actually making it though. And Eric Kripke, who at that point in time, uh, who is a creator of the show was only known for, I believe the WB's Tarzan. I think that's what he was, uh, his most recent credit was when he first pitched the show.
0: Oh wow, I <laughs> I don't think I ever watched Tarzan. I'm gonna be completely. I don't honest. think anyone no.
1: yeah, I don't think yeah. anyone ever watched Tarzan.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think the CW itself actually forgot that show was ever on air. <laughs> because it's like you see, like a lot of their older stuff pops up in syndication or on streaming websites, and Tarzan is not one of those things. <laughs> oh heavens, no.
1: Yeah, and that's actually a really good story to tell is how he pitched supernatural to the network because you know, originally it was supposed to be about this uh, traveling like reporter, mm-hmm. and and he would run into monsters across the country. And so the idea of this, you know, uh, time zone traveling person or persons, you know, this was always in the DNA of the pilot. Um, but the WB thought, and which I thought was smart on their behalf, was to mm-hmm. say, well, people have seen this like reporter trope before, yeah, and to put all those expectations on someone who you Know has no training and fighting things and mm-hmm. you know let's let's not ask people too much here to accept from day one. Um so he, I think he actually on the spot he came up with the idea of two brothers. So it was like he was in the pitch meeting with WB and just goes, but wait, instead of a reporter, <laughs> it's actually two brothers.
0: two brothers. Ooh, yeah, ooh family trauma. We can yeah. do this. We people just are, yeah, we just need to get two two kind of hot boys or gentlemen to go in that form to get people excited about the drama and you've got a you've got a winning show right there yeah Yeah, can we have them pop their shirts off you know yeah and we've we've got a cute we've got a few guys in mind because they're already (laughs) already filming format for us yeah
1: this is true um yeah jensen ackles was on smallville wasn't he
0: yeah yeah he uh he had a role that was meant to be longer. I think he came in, I think it was like he was in season two or three of Smallville and he was supposed to have, uh, I'm leaning towards three, maybe even four now, but anyway, he was supposed to have multiple a role that took place over multiple seasons. He was like a student assistant coach like thing, which is a completely unbelievable scenario it was really dumb. Um, who is a love interest of Lana. There was supposed to be kind of a, a barrier for Clark. And then because he was offered the role on Supernatural, he ended up having to write the character out sooner than they anticipated, so he dies at the end of the season that he's in.
1: Geez, spoiler alert, folks.
0: Yeah, sorry. So if you haven't gotten that far <laughs> in Smallville yet and you see Jensen <laughs> Echols, don't get too attached. <laughs> he's not around for very long.
1: <laughs> well, and then, then Jared Padalecki, who plays um, you know, Sam Winchester, he would actually be on, I think, Gilmore Girls, wasn't yeah. that? What he, yeah, his so- name was Dean yeah <laughs> <seriously>. <laughs> yeah
0: i didn't i didn't know yeah. that uh like i found that out years after the fact i was watching um with an ex uh, uh who enjoyed gilmore girls we were watching it and then of course i see uh Petalecki on there and i'm like oh hey that's sam and the first thing he says is hi i'm dean i'm like <laughs> nice disguise sam <laughs> real original
1: you're not fooling
0: anyone <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, it would be funny, though, because um, this is one of the, the stories that circulated quite a bit when uh, season 15 was wrapping up for Supernatural. But, um, you know, Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles actually both you know screened for the part of Sam and the, uh, the creators of the show. When they basically had their decision making, you know, who were going to pick,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they didn't really have anybody that they thought was a good fit for Dean. And they thought that both of these guys could knock Sam out of the park. And so it was like a good chance encounter with one of the producers and they go, well, wait a second. Why don't you just have Ackles play Dean? <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah like if you, you can't separate with both of them, just, just keep both of them make one of them Dean. That makes sense. Yeah. That's yeah. a good idea. Brilliant.
1: Yeah. Dude, it, it was just as crazy <laughs> as the improv of making the characters brothers. Like all of a sudden mm-hmm. someone just goes, yeah, make Ackles Dean. He can handle that. <laughs> and next thing you know, yeah. Yeah. History is made. So Yeah, that early improv in the series was kind of funny, but, you know, people that they roped in for this series, though, um, who kind of helped solidify uh, the series would also kind of happen by chance because Mm -hmm. um, you've probably seen the name Bob, uh, Bob Singer in the credits for the show quite a few times. Mm -hmm. um, And they they use his name is literally one of the characters, Bobby Singer later on.
0: Yeah, which is Um, also a fun thing later on in one of the episodes with Bob Singer and Bobby, but we'll get to that later.
1: Well, this one is funny because mm-hmm. Bob Singer was um, pretty much at this point a well-established TV, you know, uh, executive producer. Um, and you actually, if you're if you ever go back and watch Lois and Clark, um, there he is. was. Yeah, he's on <laughs> that show too. He was also on V and another one that I can't quite remember. But um, some of the humor that came into the show is attributed to Bob Singer because. I think it was episode four is where he stepped in mm-hmm. and uh, whoever the, the, the guest director was for that episode person just for some reason, couldn't do it. They pulled out and Bob singer got the call up, and they said, Hey, can you do us a solid here? Um, so he steps in kind of weaves some, you know, some off the cuff humor into the series that they would become known for later on, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, cause they, they still relied on a good amount of method acting in this show to keep things relatively serious. Right. There's a lot of drama in it. There's um, some pretty, you know, hard topics that come up. Um But yeah. Yeah. So Bob Singer kind of uh, vaulting into this just accidentally. <laughs> right. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's a big part of the foundation of the show. Um. And then I guess the other person that I wanted to give a little bit of credit to here before we kind of dive into the, the core show itself was Kim Manners. Um, I'm not sure if you remember seeing his name uh, pop up, but he would pass away in 2009. And him and Bob Singer uh, were basically talking to each other during one of the episodes because Kim Manners was only part time on the show mm-hmm. and he was helping out with the cinematography of it. Mm hmm. And Bob Stinger realized in the very early parts of the show that he's like, I can pretty much tell when Kim Manners is here (laughs) (laughs) because the shots look Mm -hmm. like they're supposed to, you know, the, the show just looks brilliant when we get Mm -hmm. to the actual cutting room floor. So he's like, so finally him and Kim Manners meet up after um, one of the episodes and it's like, yeah, you need to be here full time.
0: Yeah. All the time, man, (laughs) what you're doing is great and it needs to be permanent. So please, please stick around
1: yeah and it was a shame that Kim Manners passed away in 2009, but mm-hmm. um, but he did fucking great work for the four years that he was there and it kind of kept that look for the whole rest of the series. like you you've seen this plenty of times, Joe, watching the show where you see like the heat kind of rising off the pavement mm-hmm. and in the waves of the heat, you see that 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 black Impala you know slowly driving up. you oh, know oh
0: yes, mm-hmm.
1: that's that's Kim Manners at work right there.
0: Oh, yeah. That's, and that's just a beautiful shot. Cause one, that that car is incredible. <laughs> I love yeah. that car. And then anything you can do to highlight that thing moving around. um, Yeah. Good job on, on manners for that.
1: Yeah. It, you know what? It's a brooding car, but you can practically hump that hood, man. I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> I love that car. Uh, I, I remember uh, Kripke, you know, wanting to originally go with the 65 Mustang, but mm-hmm. then, then went with the 67 Impala and his exact words were, um, I initially thought of a slick looking vehicle. These guys could be driving around the country,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but then I realized I would rather have them in something that one, one of his neighbors told him you need a car. You can actually put a body in the trunk of <laughs>
0: and that. That's not a 65 Mustang. <laughs> no, not.
1: And then two, he said, mm-hmm. This is a car that when it pulls up to someone at a stoplight, they're rolling up the windows and locking the doors. Yep. Like that's, that's the car that we want.
0: Yes. And it's perfect. And when you think about it too, like if you're driving something long-term for long stretches, you want something that's going to be a little more comfortable. And as much as I love Mustangs, like they're, they're smaller cars, they're sports cars. It just doesn't make sense that they'd be traversing the country in that vehicle. Uh, Mm -hmm. So the Impala just makes way more sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as much as I love Mustangs too, I mean, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the impologist kind of takes on its own persona, you know, like, like one that is brilliantly matching that of mm-hmm. the main characters. Um, and so this show would, like I said before, be appealing to a lot of different people because it gets into a lot of cryptozoology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of tales that that people know about all across the country you know, some of them are, are as specific as a, uh, maybe a region. Others might be as unique as maybe a county, right? And so um, the Supernatural team did a really good job of picking some of the most well-known ones, you know, obviously, as we went along. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they would also do a really good job of kind of blending um, certain aspects of ghosts and poltergeists and, you know, uh, corporeal styles of creatures and all that kind of stuff.
0: And, yeah, 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 they really did, and they had kind of a fun, uh, a rec- maybe a recognizable formula to the show, where you had the ongoing story going on throughout the background, but they'd have basically episodes where that main story would take a back seat and the you just see the brothers hunting something, and that's where this more localized cryptozoology um, monsters would 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 pop in in the show, um, especially mm-hmm. we'll get talking to like the uh, basically the the main idea the main story of the first five seasons which is honestly some of the be- like one of the best things if not the best thing that cw has ever done is the first five se- seasons of supernatural um yeah. but yeah like it's, it's just fun for them to explore like these more um local myths and legends and things that are in certain areas across the country um yeah. as they drive yeah. everywhere because dean is of course says it turns out afraid of flying and that's why he drives <laughs> everywhere um but yeah, yeah. no, it was, it was a great way, um, a great formula. So that way you weren't like, I don't know, bored, I guess, like because like when you get a show that's tied on for 22 episodes a season um, or even a little less than that, if you have 13 episodes going towards one main story, the story feels kind of like dragged on by that point. So you get these nice little refreshers of these other hunts uh, each season
1: which is a great point that you make because um you're you're totally right even when I watched the like original X-Files and I might get some hate for this but hey that's what comments were there for.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even when I watched the original X-Files I feel like there were episodes where um I would kind of check out. Yeah. You know. I mean the the intrigue of the show was great but I mm-hmm. would always just be interested in in the actual monster hunting aspect of it. And that's what Supernatural did so well early on which I think a lot of it was necessity because I think the first season was like made on a budget of two hundred thousand dollars. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's that's all they had. I mean, um, mm-hmm. you've seen. So we talked about Bob Singer, who's uh, he, his. He, there's a character named Bobby Singer who becomes like your your call man whenever you have an issue with like a monster and you need to get like the, the text of how to beat them and you mm-hmm. know tactics that people would use. And so <laughs> Bobby Singer's house would end up being like one of the most important set pieces for the entire show, because whenever you see the inside of a house in like that first second, maybe even third season, Mm -hmm. it's Bobby Singer's house. It's just rearranged. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) And that's, and that's seriously, it's Mm -hmm. like the most used set on the show for the exception of like some of their soundstage stuff that they Mm -hmm. would do. Yeah. They would just rearrange furniture or like, you know, pop a wall here and like, you know, shift it around yes it's like like just just look the next time that you <laughs> you watch this show it's like man i use bobby's house a lot <laughs> um yeah and, and while we're on the topic of that it was something i wanted to mention to you that i thought was just funny
0: about supernatural in general mm-hmm.
1: so it is filmed in canada um
0: yeah, which yeah is, pretty much yeah. every cw series is, is filmed in canada yeah oh yeah yeah
1: absolutely mm-hmm. and and uh so one of the funny things about being in canada is obviously they love their deer up in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, just like we do here. But if you look at the set dressing for this show, there's a couple things that usually always happen uh, on these sets that you can look for. One is usually um, some type of deer based, like, you know, either it's a, a head of a deer or mm-hmm. a picture or something. There's always a deer somewhere. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> seriously. Next time you watch, like if you go back, Look for deer. You'll find (laughs) them. The other set piece Mm -hmm. that shows up a lot is uh, a sun like clock. Okay. Okay. So it's a clock that has like, you know, the rays of the sun kind of shooting off of it. You see it everywhere in the hotel rooms in the houses they're at. Um, It's like, it's rife for screenshotting. So Mm. for those of you who have never watched Supernatural and this is your first exposure to it, it's kind of a fun little game within the show. Um, that you can kind of play as you as you go along with it. Yeah,
0: this reminds me of like the uh, the pineapple on Psych, and how there's one in every episode, and you have to find it. Or um, the is South Park uh, does this have the alien running gag in that show?
1: I'm sure they probably still do it, just mm-hmm. because of how consistent Trey Parker and Matt Stone are. Yeah, um, but it's yeah, it's in the same exact spirit that you're thinking now. <laughs> um, just totally, totally hilarious from that perspective. But. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know what? That's the one thing I, I kind of overlooked here was that if you haven't really watched Supernatural before, um, the idea of hunters probably isn't you know that crazy of a leap of faith to figure mm-hmm. out. But um, Joe, if you could kind of walk us through hunters and, and what they do.
0: Yeah, so hunters are a group of of people who go around and they're, their main job is they just hunt monsters around the country. And they kind of always seem to have A very very similar formula to them um they're typically recluse um they don't have a lot of connections to people outside of people who aren't hunters they all drive older vehicles Mm -hmm. which i think is pretty much explained because they're just easier to work on as opposed to something newer so they typically drive older stuff uh and again things that have usually plenty of room uh to them and trying to think of something else um uh, they all shop at uh, military surplus stores. <laughs> <laughs> Every single one of them do. Yeah, they do. Yep. And I think that's, yeah. that is, I think that's a joke made by someone in one of the more meta episodes um, where, because that's a, just a thing going on in, in Supernatural, they will have basically like real world comments about the show. And I think there's one about that, like how Dean is always shopping in a military surplus show, just like in, in the Supernatural book. Um, but yeah, those are the tropes of the hunters. Um, they go around, they take care of problems that they see. Uh, typically, they look for news in like newspapers or online uh, sources of like weird things. There's always like uh, weird weather patterns, mass die-offs of uh, livestock. And they use those mm-hmm. as their, okay, there's a there's a problem in this area, I go there. They also typically have um, like... I don't want to say necessarily well thought out or elaborate covers, but they always have covers that there's some sort of law enforcement when they step in, they're pretty good about making Mm -hmm. fake IDs. Um, They have within the network of hunters, they use each other as, Oh, this is my, this is my, uh, like my boss or my higher up in in the FBI, uh, which is typically how they get into like any like police investigation. They say I'm FBI or I'm CIA and they have their fake Mm -hmm. IDs with them. Uh, but that's how they go around doing their business: is they just look for problems. On the topic of, oh no, yeah. go ahead.
1: On the topic of fake IDs, Joe, mm-hmm. um, that's another really fun moment to pause the show on, because uh, every TV show that does this has to stay within certain parameters to technically mm-hmm. be considered legal, because <laughs> you <laughs> you can't you can't legally duplicate an ID uh, mm-hmm. for any kind of like law enforcement or, or government official. So. Um, if you've ever zoomed in on the like their actual fake IDs, there's always something exaggerated about it, or there's like a massive word that's changed or something. Mm-hmm. Um sorry not to derail you too much there. But no, no, that's fine. Um, I've done I'll... I did it a couple of times.
0: Yeah. <laughs> After that too, now go back and watch yeah. it because yeah, it's like I know um as far as like the the series goes, I've finished it and I don't think you have, correct?
1: Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I am about I would say 75, 80% through the series. Okay. Yeah. Like we, mm-hmm. we, we always consistently hit a point where we would get to like, we, we could watch seasons one through five mm-hmm. as easily as, you know, anything else. Five to 10, a little bit tougher. Mm-hmm. 11, 12, like we're we're kind of struggling by that point. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of leads us into um, the, like some of the reasons why this show is so easy to get into though. Um, we've talked a little bit about how you get some of these cases that I wouldn't say they feel like an anthology, but mm-hmm. in a way, like they do put the main overarching, you know, uh, topic on pause while they, they can have fun in between. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, they do. And it's, yeah. it's a fun way that they do it too, because part of um, one of the things that the boys have with them pretty steadily for the first five seasons. And after that, it, it pops in every once in a while is uh, their father's journal of when he was going around hunting, And helping people and killing things they kind of use that as a um uh, a handbook if something comes up that they're not familiar with um it helps Mm -hmm. them with figuring out like how to kill something um so that's that's another great part of it so like they have the main story going on but then when you're introduced to something new that's kind of like this side episode um you it's it's through uh their father's uh journal
1: yeah and i think that was um the easiest thing to attach to in that first mm-hmm. season, because there's, there's obviously some things that you get a little bit of context of towards the end of season one, which we don't want to ruin too much for folks here, mm-hmm. but John Winchester, who is played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Um, you know, if you've ever watched the the Watchmen or, you know uh, he's Negan on the walking dead mm-hmm. for easy, you know, easy recognition here. So um, he's a character that was only supposed to exist for like one episode. Mm -hmm. And then they found out that, wow, the three of these guys get along really well.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Great great on scene chemistry, on camera chemistry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which brings us to a really good point about Mm -hmm. kind of the, the origins of, of Sam and Dean Winchester, the main characters here. Um, So like Joe mentioned, you get this like Indiana Jones, like grail diary from, you know, from John Winchester here. And his sons have to basically find out where he went because he kind of goes missing. Uh, very early that's how sam and dean come back together after
0: mm-hmm.
1: being estranged you know from each other for i think yeah. it was something like five or six years something or, like that yeah yeah mm-hmm. so long story short you know their mother mary is tragically you know she dies first thing in the series Yeah. um i'm not gonna say spoiler alert because
0: well i mean it's the first yeah. episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> You're yeah. going to find that out pretty soon.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll find it out pretty mm-hmm. quick. Everybody Let's like it's not even five minutes. Um, no. Nope. <laughs> so she dies right away mm-hmm. and it sends their father, John, into this, you know, into the hunter life because he's trying to figure out who the hell, you know, mm-hmm. killed my wife. Um, and I think the specific date was November 2nd, 1983, because I, I remember in the voicemails that you hear when Dean is checking like the multiple different cell phones. hmm is uh once again it's another hunter thing they all have like 30 cell phones yep (laughs) (laughs) for for different reasons Mm -hmm. so i'm pretty sure that dean says if this is in relation to 11 you know i'll call you right back Mm -hmm. and and so that really leads you into like the early foundations of the series is that they're trying to figure out how their mother was murdered or at least their father you know john is trying to figure this out um and so in that search he goes missing sam and dean enter um And then, you know, pick up the, the uh, quote unquote, John Winchester grail diary. And yeah, yeah. They start hunting monsters and trying to figure out where the hell he was going to. Um, So it's a, it's a fun mystery to start off with, to Mm -hmm. kind of pull you right in because you've got the intrigue of a universe that you don't quite understand yet, but then you've also got the familiarity of, you know, monsters that you've heard of before, whether it's like werewolves or the uh, lady in white, you Mm -hmm. know. Those those pretty consistent horror presences that you see across media, um, they kind of rely on those right away.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, again, just it's fun fun world world building that they do in the in the first few seasons there. Um, and again, like some of those tropes, like like the lady in white, like that's something that I didn't know about growing up. Um, I was never really introduced to that. And then, mm-hmm. like after I watched the show. The more I kind of see it like everywhere and you realize that it's a really, really big um, like um, sightings or or like a a paranormal thing in both uh, the lower United States and through Central America of these ghosts. The women who either go after uh, single men or like children uh, for various Mm -hmm. reasons, but they do a really great job of exploring a lot of that that local lore uh, as they're going through their dad's journal trying to find him which really kind of brings us into um, that like, that, that, that kind of like the five-year plan. Um, not like, you know, a, a bad Adam Sandler movie where you've got Sid, who's got a five-year plan and ends up look, working at a Hooters uh, within the first year of working with uh, knowing him. Um, but the original vision for the show was to only go five seasons. So it was going to be a, a direct starting point with what we talked about with uh, their mother being killed. Dad goes missing. And they're spending time trying to find dad and figure out why mom was killed. And like you said, Sam and Dean start off estranged because, as you find out through the seasons, Dean has a lot of respect for their father, whereas Sam, like, really doesn't. Like, he really did not get along with their dad. And you figure out at one point, Sam says, you know, fuck all of this, I'm leaving. And yeah. he goes off to college to live his own life. And that's where we kind of. The story picks up even in the first episode you uh you get the uh the death of their mother and then you see um i think the boys and the dad and then it's several years later and it's dean coming to where sam's going to college saying hey dad went on a hunting trip and hasn't come back um so that way it just sounds like to anyone else like oh like their dad just went hunting none the wiser that means monsters or demons uh, it's probably like a bear or deer or something. And he just hasn't phoned in. So the boys are going to go check on him. Um, But that's where like this trail of like breadcrumbs starts them to try and track down their dad. And after finding their dad, you kind of get this much bigger picture of what's going on.
1: Yeah. And, and you start to find out too, that John Winchester knows far more than he ever lets on,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is what really pisses off, you know, Stan, because you know, Sam's obviously smarter than Dean, right? Yeah. Like like mm-hmm. Sam's just kind of brilliant. He's yeah, you know, I think he's meant to be a, what he's going to
0: medical school. Is that what he's doing? It was either in it, medical school or or law. It was law. one of the two things.
1: Yeah, I know he's he's like, is it Berkeley? I think he goes to Berkeley or something Berkeley, like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Sam is very smart, very intuitive. And so him and his dad just kind of clash no matter what. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Dean just kind of falls in line and and believes everything he says and trusts it, you know. And so, um the fact that John knows more than he tells you, you find that out and it kind of carries you through that first season, mm-hmm. um, right up until the beginning of season two. Um, and so to your point of this five-year plan and the original vision of what was likely to happen here. Um, once again, it makes it so much easier to consume because those five years do feel like they were meticulously planned. Yeah. Um, there's not a whole lot of stray details or Mm-mm. um yeah. Things that happen where you kind of raise an eyebrow and, and I mean, it keeps you pretty grounded within the rules that they set.
0: It really does. And then one thing that they do really well is uh, you can say like a, a raising of stakes or power scaling uh, through those first five seasons. Um, and when I say power scaling, when you look at the monsters or the things they're fighting, you'll see at first like they, they, they struggle with vampires and werewolves um Winda goes and like a few like different uh skin i think skinwalkers was one of them but mm-hmm. then like the big bad of season one is a demon and a demon is very very difficult for them to deal with and each season they introduce another kind of like either big bad or something that leads up to them trying to tackle the demon and it's all it all of it makes sense like um they have uh demons and eventually um you'll get to angels um and even you figure out like the angels Aren't necessarily always nice, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is fun. Is that yeah. the angels are actually kind of dicks, um, as it turns out. But yeah. it is great that like you see this, and then there's a constant struggle with those two. That consistently, those are the two like hardest things for the uh, for the heroes to deal with. Um, and that yeah. that kind of gets lost and, after the yeah. first five seasons. But no, go oh, yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, yeah, and it definitely does get lost after yeah the first five. But you know during the early. Uh, portions of you know the first five seasons here mm-hmm. it's you would think that in a in a you know show called Supernatural that angels and demons would exist and mm-hmm. and and that this stuff wouldn't be confusing to anyone but uh you start to find out that angels and demons have kind of a balance of their own mm-hmm. um, and and they're kind of held to certain rules that you know kept them in check until the events of um season two really I think end of season one into season two those things start to unfold a little bit more yeah um, so it, it, it's it's kind of similar to the same reason for why Ghostbusters work so well mm-hmm. you know you're you're introduced to elements that um, at first can feel random but like you said, they, they power scale they they follow a trajectory that you know you're slowly introduced to and so every time you see something, spectacular you just kind of go well okay well that makes sense because i literally watched someone uh you know murder something with the flamethrower that could Mm -hmm. mimic human speech and you know (laughs) run 100 (laughs) miles an hour Mm -hmm. so so it it just it just makes sense to you um by the time you finally are introduced to angels and demons and and why they exist it's for reasons like joe mentioned that um you know people don't even know how to kill demons in the early stages of the
0: show. Yeah. Like that's a like um, huge struggle for them. Like to, for a while, they, they they, didn't think you could. The best you could do was just get them to leave a host. Um, but there was no real killing them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, mm-hmm. as long as it's very short, if you killed someone who is, um, you know, possessed by a demon, well, the demon just takes off.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that, that was the problem. So like even, uh, they kind of like had that whole thing where, Like the person who's possessed is still there. They're just kind of like in the back seat of their own body now. And that was also part of the problem where if you killed the body, the demon would live on and just kind of keep going. So that was a struggle for the, for, for the brothers, like to start with, it's like, well, we can keep shooting this, basically keep shooting this person. And all we're doing is hurting the person and not the demon, except they was, I'm trying to remember, did they have the cult to start with? or is that something they no. got no they didn't have it right away
1: they didn't have the so mm-hmm. yeah so so basically the creator of of uh, Colt armament Samuel Colt himself mm-hmm. um we find out in the early portion of the series that there's there's a handgun that he created that can you know literally kill uh any supernatural creature mm-hmm. for the exception of like two specific ones yeah and and so that's that's what John basically gets off on of a tangent about here is because we do eventually find out who the murderer of Mary Winchester is. And the only weapon that can bring him down is, is the cult that mm-hmm. Samuel Cole created. So yeah, they, they get that midway through um, season one and, um, and I won't give away the plot point of it because mm-hmm. there might be people finding supernatural for the first time here because <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's plenty of people that say like, well, I can't believe that show is still even going on. And then mm-hmm. they're the people
0: who are going. Wait a second! There's a show about supernatural monsters, and everyone fucking knew about it. Yeah, yeah, that's not surprising. <laughs> like, I don't think I found out until like I I wasn't. I think it was in the same boat as you, where I found out. I think somewhere around season six or seven um, that the show was around. I mean, I knew it was yeah. around in the background, but like, what I think what got me into it is my brother started watching it uh, during season five, and at yeah. the end of season five, I was like, hey, there's this really great show about these two brothers that drive around in an old car. Mm-hmm. Um, killing monsters like, yeah sure i'll check it out and then i i saw it later and i i had to know more <laughs> and i had to go back and watch it and obviously like there were going to be people who are in that same boat but just in a longer you know period of time mm-hmm. and as far as like yeah sometimes you can't believe a show goes on for 15 seasons but uh the reason why was basically the fandom kept it going and they wanted more
1: well, and and these these first five seasons, I think, are the, I mean, they're the critical reason for that. And yeah, it's not just that you're introduced to this fight between good and evil. I mean, mm-hmm. you're you know who the good guys are and the bad guys are for oh, the majority yeah. of the first five seasons. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like how we talked about in Assassin's Creed, where sometimes you don't really know who has the moral high ground here. Yeah, you know. But <laughs> um, in this one, mm-hmm. I think that's what actually makes the the good and evil balance, though. Um, a little more palatable is because sometimes we actually get introduced to characters who, yeah, they're evil, mm-hmm. but they all still have rules that they have to yeah. follow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like like the Crossroads Demon, for example, that um, is an integral part of season three, um, where people make deals with demons mm-hmm. to gain something in life, whether it's you know fame or you know extreme talents or mm-hmm. trading for someone else's life with theirs. Like these are things that the crossroads demons can allow people to trade for and they have to do it in a very specific way.
0: Yeah. And it's again, another, I think it's a good way of just introducing again, that like that the levels of difficulty or stakes being risen because before um, the crossroads demons, they basically just interacted with like low level, like more or less thugs of, of hell with the regular demons, other than, of course, uh, the demon that killed their their mom um, or the, yeah, the demon. Yeah, Azazel. Um, he's, yeah. he's got yellow eyes. The lower ones have black eyes and then the, the crossroads have red eyes. And it's just a nice, subtle way or probably a low budget way of showing <laughs> these different levels of, of authority through hell and how the crossroads demons are just more difficult to work with. They're more difficult to take down. hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm.
1: but it, it's kind of a, a trademark issue of a lot of um, we'll call it like comic book movie mm-hmm. properties where like you just have the mass of of things that are trying to kill you, you mm-hmm. know, whereas in Supernatural, there are a lot of specific characters, even though they're bad guys here, mm-hmm. that that like you mentioned, there's a ranking system, there's there's a constant power struggle in hell that these demons are always consistently fighting over right Mm -hmm. um and so it's it's really cool to see those motivations and what they contribute towards um because each time we're introduced to a high level demon or Mm -hmm. or someone who is trying to bring on what we find out is actually the biblical apocalypse you know Mm -hmm. that's a very big part of these first five seasons yeah and and so we get dedicated time understanding the motivations of each person yeah. or each character.
0: And it is really great. Like you said, like the, uh, it kind of seems like the demons are just more or less like kind of going after themselves uh, or just like they're, they're vying for power amongst themselves. And it seems like this almost like lower squabble going around, um, but they're still powerful uh, within their own right. And there's also kind of almost like a void of power within hell, because again, according, if you if you go with like the, the biblical version, um, Lucifer is locked away, um, which is what they, they go with. So hell's almost kind of like this free for all uh, mm-hmm. when more powerful demons may be eventually taken out as things go along. And then you get the angels um, coming in as mm-hmm. well, uh, because like you said, we're working towards uh, the uh, the big thing in, season uh these five seasons is that they're working towards the biblical apocalypse so you've got heaven and hell with their ongoing battle and as you meet the angels they are what you would seem to be inherently good is what you would think because they're angels and that's just kind of what you're led to believe but it turns out they're much more about order and duty than they are really anything else Um, yeah and
1: despite being tethered to those things mm -hmm. they're just as much in a state of disarray as hell is because god you know, the creator here, Mm -hmm. he's also kind of stepped away.
0: Yeah. (laughs) He's,
1: yeah, he's, he's checked out.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's,
1: he's on a vacation. He's doing his own thing. Yep. And, and so, yeah, you've, you've Mm -hmm. got these, you know, um, quote unquote good versus evil. Right. Yeah. But they're doing the same things. Like they're, they're both doing some pretty bad things um, to push forward their agendas. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Sam and Dean end up finding themselves smack dab in the middle of it and having to play both sides. I mean, it's, 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 it's definitely like a, a, a tug of war that occurs for the better part of, you know, three seasons here. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And it's some, some of the best three, I mean, I think it's the best, honestly, it's the best three seasons of that show. Um, when the angels show up and they're really pushing towards, um, the, the apocalypse here and uh, one of my favorite episodes is just uh, one particular archangel attempting to get the boys to more or less follow the role that is supposed to be set out for them because you find out that they have a, a role in the apocalypse as it turns out I'm not going to say what it is because then I don't give everything away but the boys don't want to take their role in the whole thing because of course the apocalypse means the world's going to end and that's what mm-hmm. they they don't want that um, despite the fact that it's been, that role has been given to them. So there's a particular episode where they have reality warped and they do make friends with an angel eventually. And they assume that what's warping reality happens to be something they've fought before um, in another episode. And even the angel is confused over how this thing's as powerful as it is. And there is, um, it turns out that, that that, thing is actually an archangel So, I mean, I might give that away when you find it. I'm sorry about that. There's a spoiler alert. Um, But again, like you're introduced like this, no, even like another level in heaven with the archangels that the angels can't even touch because they're nowhere near as powerful as the archangels are. And at that point in the show, that's the most, like that's the pinnacle. Like the archangels are the strongest things ever. Even the point where the angels cannot do anything uh, when their power is brought in. But yeah, that episode um, that I was referring to, like, it's just a brilliantly written episode that has a good amount of humor in it that is absolutely great as the boys are basically forced down to like TV roles. Um, yeah. So you get hilariously Dean um, at one point is on a, uh, they enter a soap opera called Dr. Sexy. Yes. Which is of yes. course is funny because one of, um, one of Jensen Echols early roles was actually on a soap opera as a doctor. Um, <laughs> so, they, they kind of weave that 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 things that the boys actually did into the into the storyline, but yeah, like they're they're on a soap opera. They end up going on a procedural um uh cop thing. Yeah, and they're CSI making, in Miami. <laughs> yeah, they're doing all like the Horatio, like they say something and put their glasses on and walk away. Um, <laughs> they take they take some things on the show and turn it into other things. Uh, so like one thing that I know Mark and I will do, um when something goes wrong in our lives, we'll pull out the Dean voice and invoke his, um, his, his SOB says, <laughs> a bitch. Yeah. You son of a, a bitch. bitch. And <laughs> there's a great yes. part where, in that episode where they, they're on a sitcom suddenly. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Like Sam points something out and just puts his hands on his, on his hips and gives, gives Dean a look. And Dean just goes, but looks back at Sam and says, Son of a bitch! Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, it's like so. It's really whiny. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, it's good. Like they uh, just, they found great ways to make fun of themselves. Um, uh, uh in, in that episode, and really throughout the series, they they do that. But I thought this episode did well. But it was an episode that at first seemed like it was just kind of off to the side, but really moved this big five year plan forward.
1: Well, and that's kind of drawing back to the the conversation about Bob singer and roping in some of the natural talents of these actors that can be very comedic, but then also remember that you, you are in a drama about two brothers that are trying to figure out their place in the world. And this specific episode that you mentioned, uh, it it taps into this idea that you can't fight what fate has chosen for you to do. Mm -hmm. And so What's really emotional about this is that throughout this, this five season journey, you actually don't just get the present story that helps you understand what fate these two are tied into. You also get to travel back in time Mm -hmm. to, to understand how it gets set up. And then you get to go into the future and see what happens. Should they fail? Yeah. And so it's, it's tremendously hard hitting when you realize just how much it tears apart the brothers, because, you know, like we said, they're estranged at first. They come together over the seasons. They, they find family again, mm-hmm. that bond gets created. It gets consistently tested and it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's, it's absolutely heartbreaking at times. And, uh, and I, I think that's one of the hardest hitting aspects of this five-year plan that Eric Kripke created, whether it was, you know, obviously it was improv, whether, Mm -hmm. whether or not uh, anyone wants to argue that we're, (laughs) we're welcome to debate Mm -hmm. it in the comment section that no one comments on, but Hey, (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's, it's really the strength of those five seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got a really brilliant storyline to follow a lot of emotional weight, but you also have a lot of fun getting there too. And now, back to the show.
0: Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast, is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. So we have the original five seasons wrap up. And on paper, that's where they wanted to stop. Um, But that's not what happened because the fans just wouldn't let it. You basically (laughs) had such a massive fan base for the show. they, They didn't want the show to end after five seasons.
1: Yeah. So we had what we called the five year plan. And now we have what's called the non five year -year plan. plan. (laughs) (laughs) So, from an organizational standpoint, you know, Eric Kripke kind of steps down uh, Mm -hmm. into a lesser role. I think he's still like an an EP or something. Um, So, he's still contributing to the show, Mm -hmm. obviously. But, you know, near the end of season five, though, you have what should be a definitive end, possible cliffhanger. Yep, and then they immediately resolve the cliffhanger before season five is even
0: done. Oh yeah, <laughs> They're like oh yeah, we're not ending. Oh wow, okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> what yeah. can we do about that? Yeah,
1: yeah, just kidding. Mm-hmm. But th- but then th- then you get into into season six though, mm-hmm. a- and this doesn't ruin it a whole lot for folks. But you finally get some reprieve for. You know Sam and Dean, or at least Mm -hmm. at least strongly on Dean's side, where he's not living the hunter life Mm -hmm. anymore. You know he's found a a dynamite gal and settles down, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, (laughs) and so he's mowing his lawn. He's he's you know hamming it up with his neighbors, and Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know he's he's living life. And so some of the complaints about the non five year plan here is that you can kind of tell that we're getting into storytelling. That I don't think they knew where it was going to end or or they're kind of on that um borrowed time mm-hmm. you know type of thing, so we get some disjointed storytelling,
0: yeah, and I think a big part of that is because like of the structure of the first five seasons, we talked about that that scaling of power of of like the bads for each season just went up, 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 and then where season five like stops there's really only one other really powerful being out there to go with. And that's, that's God uh, itself uh, who has been absent this whole time, because you've, you've ended the archangels who were stronger than all of the demons. Um, and then, okay, we've only got one other thing we can go with based off of our biblical structure we've built. And I mean, you can't just have God be one season uh, for the show, because the show's gonna keep going, um, it was renewed for multiple seasons after that. So it's like, well, we can't just have mm-hmm. God right away next. Like, you've got to do other things. And I think it was that in between God thing. They're like, well, what, what do we do?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and and so like we've we've already been introduced to um you know a couple standard biblical topics mm-hmm. in you know in in seasons one through five. Mm-hmm. So obviously heaven and hell. I don't think we have to explain that to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we do get to understand the rules of both heaven and hell. And so that's pretty well fleshed out. That makes sense. We get into season six, suddenly we're learning about, um, how monsters were created. And that's actually not a bad part of this. You you kind of find out that there's literally alphas of each of the big, bad monsters out there. Mm Mm-hmm. And they were all kind of created in the beginning of time. God kind of goes, ooh. Ooh. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what? Was, I, was I drinking that night? Oh, what the fuck bad, was I family. doing? <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah like, like, wow, that that, uh, that did not look good the next morning.
0: Oh, no. This was, uh, yeah, it sounded better. Uh, looked better on paper than in execution. So yeah, we have to go. I have to put you guys somewhere. <laughs>
1: yeah, and mm-hmm. where would they go but purgatory? Oh yeah,
0: good in between place.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. otherwise known as the distance between uh Illinois going across <laughs> Iowa, <laughs> <laughs> or otherwise known as the the uh, eastern seventy five percent of Kansas. Oof, um, yeah, if
0: you've and then nothing against those states, but if you've had to drive those states, I mean it's just flat nothing.
1: Yeah. Seriously. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 it's literally like me wearing a pair of jeans, guys. It is so flat that you're, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you do not have to worry if those jeans are level. Let me tell you, (laughs) but but yeah, we're, we're introduced to purgatory and long story short, purgatory kind of becomes like the, the largest battery of Mm -hmm. like supernatural energy because of all these things that are just kind of trapped in there. Yeah. And the idea of that's not bad. Mm-mm. You know, I, I thought that was actually a, a really, a really consistent and cool idea. I think it was just the the fact for me that the, the air is out of the balloon for a lot of season six because you have such an emotional weight. I mean, you get you get like the most reasonable origins of all of the character motivations that wrap up in season five.
0: Mm-hmm. So season five season- also gave us ass butt the greatest insult of all time. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. Oh my God, dude. Uh, Misha Collins, that dude. So he, he plays one of the most popular angels um, on the show. Mm-hmm. Castiel. Castiel. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and he's which, he's yeah.
0: so not human that he doesn't understand human life and human, basically anything. He doesn't know our ways. Yeah. Not no. at all. Let alone no. uh, our, our profanity. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, but, but just like you know just like any character that's learning about you know humanity for the first time like mm-hmm. his his portrayal of castiel is just fucking adorable
0: mm-hmm. um
1: so uh one one funny story about Misha collins and the character of castiel um so he's modeled after constantine um mm-hmm. you know pretty popular you know comic book uh character so that's what his like entire outfit's based around um they ended up having to use like anywhere from like 80 to 100 different trench coats for him
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> over,
1: <laughs> over the course of the series. And, um, but for him though, he was also like, like uh, John Winchester, he was only supposed to be in the series for, you know, a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. So Misha Collins said, There's a couple of regrets that I have. One is making his voice as deep as it was. Oh, that had yeah, that had to kill
0: him. (laughs) Yeah,
1: he said if I knew it was going to kill my voice for the next ten years, Mm -hmm. would have picked
0: something different. Yep, that's right Um, there with like Hugh Laurie developing an actual limp after playing house for so long.
1: Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's the it's the exact same thing, and Mm -hmm. and so yeah, he says it killed his voice. um, Yeah, pretty much every time he had to, you know, record for the show. Um, But then his other regret was the fact that. He helped contribute to what Cassio should be wearing, and he said, If I knew I was going to be on this show for this long, <laughs> yeah, I would have picked something a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, it's it's just it, once again, it's a pretty iconic look. I mm-hmm. i loved it actually because um, I was familiar with Constantine, um, and so I thought that this was you know kind of uh, you know, a fun play on that, but mm-hmm. but yeah, so you know this is one thing i will say is is actually nice about this this season is that castiel does have a you know a, a larger part in it because there is this power vacuum in heaven just like how there's a power vacuum in hell mm-hmm. after the events of season 6 and so everybody's trying to figure out where their part is in this this new world because the apocalypse happened we survived it and now we're in this post world trying to understand you know, how do we advance from here? Mm-hmm. Um, I think where the hiccup occurs is that you've pretty much split up what is the best part of this show, which is Sam and Dean Winchester. Yeah. I mean, they're split up for almost the majority of the the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. So it, for, for that part of it, like I understand the story, right? I get why they do it. Yeah. Um, but that's what I spent most of my time experiencing for that, that first half is like man i really don't like this show when these guys aren't working together
0: yeah it's there was they had the formula there with the uh the brothers having to figure things out together and again they like get really focused on i guess an adult family orientation not like the it wasn't family oriented in the fact that you know uh they learn something each episode and then a small violin solo breaks it down and <laughs> we learned the lesson all together but that central family element of the brothers suffering and overcoming things together was yeah. just, you know, it was quintessential to that show. And when you took that away, you, you lost the heart of that show.
1: Yeah, you really mm-hmm. did. I mean, they do some cool things with once again, world building here. Mm-hmm. We, we get to learn a little bit more about the Winchester family um, and part of this whole purgatory slash mm-hmm. creature energy idea. Um, you know, there, there, there is a reason for it. And Castile plays a big part in that. Once again, we are trying to keep this spoiler free for those of mm-hmm. you who've never seen this and want to give it a shot. Um, yeah. It just, it just, to me, that felt clunky. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really easy for this, like for the next couple seasons. seasons, hmm So you just kind of feel like you're pressing play so that you can get through it. Um, Yeah. It's
0: it's kind of like Jag. Like you just want to have like, you hear voices in the background and that's the show. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's all like, that's, that's all Jag was for. It's like, Oh, this is just background noise uh, for people in a retirement home. (laughs) That's, that's what it was like, seriously, how could you make that many seasons about strictly military law? Like not law, like, no, like seriously, military, like a court, like courts and attorneys. Come on, that's not a show. That's hey, hey a even series,
1: even Star Trek The Next Generation only focused on one episode with the Jag officer in like the first four seasons, I yep. think. So, mm-hmm. if they understood that in the 90s, Jesus, Jag,
0: yeah, what, were, what the yeah. hell were you thinking? But anyway, <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, this is the ambiguity, mm-hmm. you know, section of. You know, of supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got people who are vying for power on both sides. Yep. Some of these people are supposedly good characters that are doing things that are bad, and so that's where you know you you had such a build up to the end of season five that to see your characters do such a one eighty, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's a an entirely bad thing, but it's really kind of it's really hard to get into. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I struggled with it a lot. Mm-hmm
0: no, I and you. I did too. And it wasn't until you got other characters that kind of made their own relationships with one or both of the brothers that made that a little easier. So, like you said, there was that, that power struggle through uh, through both heaven and hell with what's going on and like heaven and hell have very different issues going on in them. Uh, hell is, diff- is a, is a, is a power vacuum because uh, Lucifer is, is caged uh, or not present. So you have like basically this king a king of hell who is just in charge of running things while they're gone. So just basically the demon who's successfully killed any other demon standing in their way. And that's where we get Crowley coming in. And yes, here we have a very, very like good endearing character where it's, you know, he's bad, but you would much rather have him in charge than anything else um, going on in hell. And that's more or less where the boys end up with Crowley and how they get into bed with them uh, figuratively is that they don't like Crowley, but they understand that not having Crowley in charge hurts them a lot more than anything else. Yeah. And you get yeah. like a fun relationship that's built with um, Crowley and Dean. Cause at one point Dean actually becomes a demon himself We you won't necessarily get into how that happens, but Dean and Crowley have like basically kind of a relationship that Sam and Dean had before, before that happened. So you get this other fun dynamic between those two that's built.
1: And I think that's kind of where it feels like your, your attention's kind of divided here mm-hmm. um, because you've obviously got Castiel who is, you know, he's a, he's a pretty strong character. He kind of is a scene stealer, mm-hmm. but then Mark Shepard who plays Crowley. Um, for those of you who don't know, you know, who, who Mark Shepard is. I mean, he was in uh firefly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of plays like a, you know, like a low level uh, mob boss and mm-hmm. that. Um, and God, I'm trying to remember where else I've seen him.
0: He, I know you haven't seen him in this because I know you're not the biggest fan of the show, but he was uh, in the first two parter uh, episode of uh, Matt Smith's second season as, Doct- as Doctor as Dr. Who. Mm. Um, he played a, he played an FBI agent. Which was also a fantastic episode of that, where you had um, aliens who, as long as you're looking at them, you knew they were there, but as soon as you looked away, you completely forgot about them. And
1: uh, so, so it's like quantum particles, right?
0: Exactly, quantum particles. Yeah. But yeah. No, yeah. he had a great, great role in that show for the two episodes he was in.
1: And and the same thing goes here. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he he plays a really good, uh, really good part in this. Um, and once again, scene stealer. Mm-hmm. Whenever Crowley is on screen, this dude is the center of attention. <laughs> I mean, he he's, he's sadistic to a point where mm-hmm. it's reasonable. That That's the part that I always, always thought about him. Like, yeah, he's being sadistic and he's doing mm-hmm. something really bad here, but,
0: but you're kind of rooting for him. <laughs> yeah. I see why he's doing this,
1: you know? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it's, so the point you're, you're making about uh, the power vacuum here. So, like the highest ranking angels in heaven are kind of dispersed or dead at this stage, mm-hmm. right? Yep. The same thing goes for hell. Like, like the knights of hell are either completely missing or, mm-hmm. um, you know, are lost to time. Which I don't want to ruin too much there, but I mean, all of the other power players that were, you know, big name demons, mm-hmm. seasons one through five, yeah, they have all kicked the bucket or they're somewhere else. Yep. So, so yeah, Crowley is like the the operations director for, for Hell. And I mean, you actually kind of feel for the guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: especially when his mom yeah. shows up.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Which, is, which is another... Uh, that, that's one of the good decisions that they make here mm-hmm. um, is to take what's essentially a character that we didn't know how long he'd even be around for. Um, this is a pretty consistent aspect of the Supernatural universe is that when fans like a character or they like a, a trope or something it keeps showing up yep like the the creators of the show know it and mm-hmm. they they know what the fans want and they keep bringing them back
0: yeah yeah and uh and crowley is easily one of those um and i know what how, how i don't know how i'm blanking uh blanking on his mother's name she's a witch red hair very irish
1: <laughs> oh yes um <laughs> Yeah, damn it. This is one of those cases, where, yeah, where I I don't remember mm-hmm. right offhand, but I, I consistently call these my 3 a.m.
0: thoughts. I think it's Rowena. Yeah, it's Rowena. Rowena. There yeah. it is. I got yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and again, where she when she was introduced as just this, this powerful witch. And again, like she like when she was on screen, like she was supposed to be a villain, but you just couldn't help but root for her. Um, because the actress does such a great job with the character that you want to see her succeed and want her to keep coming back. Even if it means it's kind of at the expense of the main two characters.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I have to ask myself, you know, once again, who's, who is the inspiration behind fleshing out these relationships? Um, because uh, Ruth Connell, there, there we go. Three thoughts. Yeah. Ruth Connell, who plays Crowley's mom. Mm-hmm. Um, those two have just like this this delightful banter, and <laughs> and a relationship that mm-hmm. you can you can tell it's it's playful,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but that the two of them have never trusted each other at any point in their lives. Like they they're they're consistently at a point where you're you're always wondering is one of these going to screw the other one over?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, they, they they have like, even a subtle way of doing that because um like Crowley. That's not his birth name, because as you've come to find out, demons always, like they they, most of them start out, you get the ones that were fallen angels. But then it also turns out that if a human soul is warped enough, it becomes a demon. So Crowley was originally human. So that's how he has this birth mother, Rowena, who is, I think, 300 some odd years old. But his birth name was Fargus. So she never, (laughs) ever calls him Crowley. It's always very fargus yeah fargus hates yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> which, which
1: it absolutely cracks you up every time you hear it mm-hmm. um and, and i think it's hilarious you mentioned uh or it's actually really topical that you mentioned soul because we talked a little bit about that um at the start of season six coming into you know the, the idea of purgatory and we we totally called it creature energy but it's really mm-hmm. soul power like yeah. literally souls are what all of the 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 people in charge of hell are trying to gather. Um, the same thing goes for heaven. They're trying to gather souls mm-hmm. so that they can control uh, the universe here. Um, and so that, that power struggle, I think for me, it just didn't really intrigue me all that much. No, I'll, I'll no. be completely honest. And, and no. so the character though, like you mentioned, there's some characters that get roped in like Rowena. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that was really good here. Cause we talked about how Sam and Dean spend mm-hmm. some time apart one of the really strong characters that gets roped into this is Benny, uh, who is a vampire um, and him and Dean end up having to escape purgatory together um, because Dean ends up in purgatory after some pretty uh, awesome events with, Mm -hmm. um, with Leviathan, um, which once again, we're kind of going biblical here, digging deep. um, Yeah. Yeah. to find some creatures.
0: Yep, they are, because I mean, the Leviathan that we get in the show are nowhere close to what's represented biblically, but it was it was a name and it served a purpose. And that's a season that's where like I mean, the Leviathan season really does split the fan base quite a bit. I personally thought it was weak, but like I really liked the main villain of that season. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, no, um, we 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 leave the Leviathan uh, who were introduced again as a power scaling thing because angels had issues with the Leviathan, whereas they didn't have any issues with the, with the demons. But yeah, after the Leviathan story is, is settled, we get to um, Dean's time in purgatory where he meets Benny the vampire. And what comes up, one of the things that Dean really struggles with throughout the series is like differentiating between really anything with the monsters they fight. Like in his mind, it's a monster, it's, it should die. But then you get Benny who is a monster And yet Dean for the first, one of the first times in the series realizes that not all monsters are bad necessarily.
1: And, and that's, that's why that's one of the, the strong aspects of this is that you Mm -hmm. do finally see Dean start to trust the creatures he's been hunting his whole life. Yeah. Um, There's some ambiguity there. Um, One one thing I did want to get to before we got too far away from it though, in the biblical sense, Leviathan were described as like teeth that Mm -hmm. were basically surrounded by darkness
0: Mm -hmm.
1: like just jagged disgusting teeth uh that you can look into and you just it's just fear right
0: yeah there's just these these and on top of that giant like sea creatures too i believe
1: yeah 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. but like in the biblical sense like this is Mm -hmm. what this is what leviathan were based on Mm -hmm. and so yeah like so that's why you, you find out the relationship between Leviathan and Purgatory is because, well, they're some of the most powerful creatures that got sent there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but one, one thing I do want to mention to you, Joe, before we completely get too far ahead here. <laughs> the leader of the Leviathan uh, is played by actor James Patrick Stewart, mm-hmm. who is actually a Seinfeld alum.
0: Oh, yeah. oh uh, uh, Desperado, man. he is the desperado guy. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: So I, I I could not look at Dick Roman and not think, (laughs) "Oh "Oh my God, that's the desperado Mm -hmm. guy." (laughs) Um, But so the the Leviathan storyline, and you know Benny and Mm -hmm. Purgatory and all that. This is where we start to get into um, some of the storytelling where, like, you're introduced to like major enemies that pop up for like a third of a season, mm-hmm. sometimes a half of a season. And, and so you never really quite know, like what's the actual threat here. Yeah. Cause you remember when Eve got introduced, right?
0: Yeah. That was, that was when uh, we were figuring out more about, you know, the, uh, um, the alphas that Eve was the mother of all the monsters. And yeah. you thought that like, she was going to be like the, the, main thing they were going to hunt for the season And what was it like five or six episodes later? She's dead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She appears for like, she's like a subsect of season Mm six. Yeah. And you're, and you're (laughs) thinking like, Oh my God, like she, she could legit be a legitimate threat to this universe. Mm -hmm. And then she's gone.
0: gone. Was that, was that the same season? Uh, Yeah. That's the same season where like Dean actually travels back in time to uh, actually get the Colt back. He just takes it from the past.
1: Yeah, he actually goes into the, the, the Old West, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's, the, uh, it's the one with the phoenix, I believe. Yep.
0: And that's where we, we get the fantastic Dean line of, you just yeed your last haw. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which, which I will say,
1: for, for some of the gripes we have about mm-hmm. the, the, like the, the, the next five years, right? The non-five-year mm-hmm. plan. They did do some of the things that shows that run for a long time. Tend to explore which are these non standard episodes like mm-hmm. this time travel one in the old west. Um, there was the episode with uh, with Dean being like Dr. Doolittle yep. at some point, you know, oh, talking to animals,
0: <laughs> 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 the, the pigeon actively trying to poop on the Impala. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> oh yeah, my it, gosh, there's a there's a musical episode tucked in there too. Um, where yeah. there's a there's a running gag in the show, um, where eventually they meet a prophet and the prophet's been basically making a living off of writing a book series called supernatural. That is literally what's going on uh, in the episodes about the boys lives. And it turns out he's a prophet of the Lord. So that's why he's getting what's going on. Um, And there are lots of subset stories with, uh, with that, uh, with that character. And then one of the things that comes out of it is the musical episode where these uh, it's a group of like girls in high school who love the book series because that's as it turns out, is the book series biggest fans. Um is high our high school girls. And so they write <laughs> this mu- a high school musical around the, the supernatural characters. Um <laughs> yeah, but and, great and, episode. And,
1: which is another um interesting point to bring up here is that the demographic of um the largest demographic of supernatural fans are are women. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I don't know the exact exact percentage of it, but um But they they never stop understanding their fan base here. And so uh, in the musical, like uh, the musicals actually, I'm pretty sure it's an entirely female-led production, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. uh, And it's also like, as someone who does uh, direct um, like school theater programs and work with it, uh, musicals don't tend to have a lot of boys. (laughs) They just don't want to be in it. So it was just all women doing this musical uh, or all high school girls doing it.
1: I mean, to me though, I I think the the recognition of of just how how they know what the fans of the show are are tying into and what they like, and um, I think that led to a lot of creativity that you wouldn't normally get from from other shows. Like I felt Mm -hmm. like the creators of Supernatural or the 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 minds behind it, Mm -hmm. they were very accessible from a communication standpoint, and so that's how you get some of these really fun. You know, these these fun storylines from it that you, you know, they feel like they may come out of left field, but, <laughs> but man, that, that's what mm-hmm. kind of kept me coming back in some of these later seasons was that there are some really fun, you know, standalone episodes like this yeah. that pop up mm-hmm. um, a- anytime when they talk about the supernatural fans. In the show, like when they talk about the mm-hmm. the first like supernatural con, um, oh yeah, you
0: know? <laughs> and then you get Becky the super fan in there.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> Becky the super fan, mm-hmm. and then we're introduced to what's known as fan fiction. Yep, and and them literally bringing up Wincest, which is <laughs> which come is on, cool. man, they're brothers. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and, and if you're not as familiar, folks, with this, this is a uh, this is a, a subgenre of fan fiction uh, known as, as shipping <laughs> <Wow>. yeah <laughs> where mm-hmm. yeah where you have characters who are put into relationships they normally either wouldn't have been in or yeah. <laughs> or not in based on the like canon of the series mm-hmm. right um, and so <laughs> they're very much aware of it though they they know what Wincest is they bring it up like <laughs> three or four times in the series mm-hmm. Um, but, but this is, these are some bright spots in a, what do kind of feel like a disjointed, you know, five seasons or so, Mm -hmm. um, we we do get some cool things though, where you explore how the hunters, uh, like, I, I wouldn't say how they first began, but how they organized at one point in the past, um, with the men of letters.
0: Yeah. And you, you figure out that the hunters are basically the, um, the lower level, um monster hunters compared to the men of letters um more i guess they're, they're the snobs of the monster hunting world <laughs> and also yeah. just very well organized compared to the hunters
1: yeah yeah and it, it, i will say it's 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 a cool aspect of the history once you get into this because um they do manage to tie that in together with um, the knights of hell that we've mm-hmm. briefly mentioned here and how uh, there's some interesting time travel aspects of that, um, which essentially allow these events to unfold. So, I wouldn't say that the the showrunners at this point didn't understand, you know, their universe. I mean, I, I fully felt like they they had a really good grasp on what they were doing with it. But oh, yeah. but I, I think it it got too far away from you know fundamentals mm-hmm. after a while. You know, think of any job you've had where you're you're trained with a bunch of stuff to learn mm-hmm. and then you just forget certain small elements along the way. Um, and so when we say that, or at least when I say that, I mean kind of like what you talked about in the beginning, where you have some of these um they feel like anthology episodes, mm-hmm. and then you get pulled back into the larger narrative. yeah, they don't really do much of that anymore. Mm-mm. I mean, it's it's just, or at least they didn't do it within this stretch that we're talking about.
0: No, that that the the second half of the series is is weaker. I mean, you can tell that in ratings too. The first the first five se- the first five epi- uh, seasons have really really high really great ratings and then they kind of dip after that. Um and then there'll be like a few seasons where like there are larger things happen that they finally allude to we really get a spike for a season and they go back down. Um but yeah, no, it definitely felt like um in this this season it was less no, these these last five seasons it was less heart and more process than anything else
1: yeah and i, and I agree with you on that too mm-hmm. um and, and I, I part of me feels horrible for even saying it i mean just because you know that like jensen ackles and jared mm-hmm. petlecki and, and the creators of the show like they were putting their heart and soul into this yeah i mean they were having a lot of fun with it they mm-hmm. spent They spent a ton of time away from their families to continue creating this show. Um, So I I will give them a lot of credit for the things that they did attempt, um, especially because there's a lot of these episodes that are, they're very meta. Mm -hmm. Like they, they get into the process of creating a TV show. Uh, You know, they'll, they, they spend time in certain episodes where they're playing a version of their real life
0: cells. Yeah. You know, Uh, I mean, I think there's one, I mean, this is still first five seasons. I think when they, they actually visit our world (laughs) and it's, it's supernatural is a TV show. Yeah. Um, Which is hilarious in itself. When they go to their respective homes or they realize there's a director named Bobby, Bob singer or Bobby sings like you named a character after yourself in the show. How shallow are you? Yeah. Um, Dude, it's true though. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, yeah. But no, I guess I guess I really should rephrase that when I said like again, like like you, like you said, like um, when I felt like it was more process than heart. Like maybe maybe that was the wrong way to phrase it. Maybe it was like the heart was there, but they weren't sure where to take things next. And it's almost like they were flying off the seat of their pants every season. We're like, oh, all right, we ended up here. I guess how how do we keep it going? Um, sort of thing. Because yeah, like you could really tell, like, um. Jensen Eckles and Jared Padalecki, like they loved being in that show for 15 years. And I remember when the, when the show was done, both of them said how much that they are going to miss being Sam and Dean. Um, Because like they were, they knew Sam and Dean or they were Sam and Dean for 15 years, 16 years, actually. Um, And it's hard to let that part of your life go. So, yeah, I guess I, I wish should rephrase that. They, it wasn't less heart, more process. It was, plenty of heart, less direction, i think is where it was where i should have gone with.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I what what i what i do love in the later seasons here. There there is the episode uh The Root of All Evil mm-hmm. where Dean <laughs> thinks that the source of all evil mm-hmm. is found in a vegan bakery. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, um, yes. <laughs> And and then they actually reference, oddly enough, the uh, changing channels episode that you mentioned, um, where they kind of learn their purpose through mm-hmm. starring on these different TV shows. And Dean, one of my favorite lines from Dean Winchester from the entire series is, "You know who wears sunglasses inside? Blind douche people bags. and douchebags." <laughs> <laughs>
0: I still think of that one if I ever. If I ever walk into a building, like my sunglasses need to come off because I'm not blind and I'm not a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, so we, we when Joe and I were writing this episode, we both said we're not going to ruin mm-hmm. how supernatural ends. Mm-mm. We what we did want to do was get into why this series did work so well, and even with some of these gripes in, we'll call it the second half or the. Yeah whatever you want to call it the middle third here mm-hmm. <laughs> Reg- regardless of that, the writers never forgot you know who these these mm-hmm. characters were. and so um that is a consistency that even despite some of these uh questionable plot choices and you know um I, I don't want to call them off seasons because i I don't hate them right no, like I, no, I don't no. hate these Mm-mm. but they just they just feel so different from the original ones so um, but yeah they never forget who the characters they've always been very strong with with the mm-hmm. characters and the relationships uh, along the way
0: yeah absolutely i want to say the same thing like i didn't i didn't hate the uh, the second half of the show the back, i guess you are going to go to the back nine of it um but again like it just uh, those first 5 seasons there was just purpose there was direction there was character development and when you get to the second half of the series um, it was kind of like yeah just what do we do next <laughs> because um the apocalypse was supposed to be the end of everything and then when it wasn't you kind of keep going um and it's something that happens a lot to like really popular network shows um mm-hmm. and to bring up smallville again like you had two leads on that show basically leave after so many seasons and it was they were, it was basically their choice to leave because mm-hmm. they kind of felt like the show had run its course um, we had uh, Kristen Christian Kruick uh, who played Lana Lang on Smallville who was basically just like, like, I would like to have it be on a show like HBO style, like an HBO one where it's, it's, it knows it's going to be five seasons. So it's got a very, mm. very like well thought out, well-planned story for all those five seasons and where it's going to start, where and where, how it's going to end. Um, and that's, that's kind of like what the original plan for Supernatural was. And when that plan was not, it was successful to the point where they actually had to add on to the plan. Um, there wasn't like, all right, let's just plan what the next five seasons are going to be, like these will lead to this. I just felt like it was, yeah, they was just okay, what do we do this season? All right, what do we do this season? It's just the um, what's the big bad this season, um, sort of thing,
1: yeah. And so, one thing I will say that Supernatural kind of got into here near the like near the latter mm-hmm. seasons. Like, on, like what you mentioned with Smallville and what you've seen happen with The Walking Dead, like actors are realizing that, yeah, I spend a majority of my career now Mm -hmm. doing this show and they just find their way to the exits. Yeah. The only person that really happened with, and I'll, I'll call this like a a sin of the creators of the show because they Mm -hmm. haven't really said what happened here. Mark Shepard, who played Crowley, uh, he did leave the show. And no one has really disclosed exactly why that was. Okay. Um, he's obviously still big friends with like all the actors, and they mm-hmm. they still take pictures together and have fun. but but that was one one character who left the show. We were like, okay, like he, he was one of the stronger aspects of this. yeah. And so you had to wonder if in these latter seasons, if, okay, well, maybe that's the case. like maybe they don't even know how to direct certain characters anymore mm-hmm. because they just don't know yeah um other characters uh one of my favorite ones uh here was uh rufus turner oh um, rufus was great yeah mm-hmm. yeah he loved his johnny walker it was it blue label i think <laughs> yeah uh, blue label yeah like like rufus was one of these like tough as nails uh hunters that mm-hmm. bobby had a very tumultuous relationship with um bobby singer the you know earlier mentioned uh you know like <laughs> he's like your go-to guy if you need to kill mm-hmm. a demon or something and you don't know how to do it well rufus was like only briefly utilized uh early in this in the series they bring him back for you know a few episodes and then they you know then and then he's gone mm-hmm. and, and this would happen with several of the prominent hunters that they do introduce you to along the way mm-hmm Um, And so to me, it did start to feel like, okay, yeah, we don't, maybe we just don't know what to do with these characters anymore. Like, and I'm not saying the main ones, I just Mm -hmm. mean the supporting cast here. Yep. Um, And so it became more and more evident um, the longer that we went with it. So it almost got to a point where you have to create brand new characters because we've dismissed so many others already.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so, but I will say this though, the first five seasons of that show Uh, I would put it up there with like a mythical status of like the first three seasons of Arrested Development.
0: Yeah. Like
1: they're, they're both. Yeah. They they both have some of the strongest aspects of those universes or the properties. And people will almost always look back to those and say, like, this is the essential viewing Mm -hmm. of these series. Like, so go and check them out. And that's, that's honestly what we're doing here too. <laughs> we're, 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 we're like we're telling mm-hmm. you if you absolutely need to be sucked into something, bury yourself into it. Mm-hmm. The first five seasons of Supernatural will do that for you. If you have any kind of interest in like these cryptozoological or, or cryptozoology, uh, you know, based topics, that's something that you're gonna love. Um, if you're even so much into ghosts or anything like <laughs> mm-hmm. that, you'll these first five seasons are fantastic. And I would say, Joe, that I can,
0: I can consistently watch the first ten. Oh, easily, yeah. Um, so, I guess, like looking at that, wrapping things up here. Um, when you look at those first ten seasons, um, what are some of your favorite moments? Like looking back on on the road that the boys traveled. Uh, for
1: me, it's it's any of the episodes that involve going back in time to see how Mm -hmm. John Winchester and Mary Winchester lived before the boys. Because there's a couple of them in there uh, where you get to see the origins of like John buying the Impala. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some of these other time travel episodes, you get to see how Mary's family uh, was, was organized and how they were originally hunters themselves. And John never knew it. Like those were some of the coolest Um, aspects of the series because Dean goes back in time and you know gets to witness all this and so for me I I don't want to give these away because they're Mm -hmm. they're not just like emotionally weighted episodes they're just really fun ones too yeah Um, and so those those for me are are really strong Um, and then otherwise uh, the slow burn that was Azazel's army oh yeah you know recruiting mm-hmm. the yeah recruiting the children that all fit certain profiles and giving them the powers like you know Sam ends up getting yep those were also some of the strongest um storytelling aspects of supernatural mm-hmm completely agree
0: yeah yeah what about you um uh mine mine uh probably boiled down to mo- most of them actually are not like they're very memorable episodes but Probably not the most like plot building. I don't know some of them are plot building. Uh, actually, I can take back. They are. They're pretty big plot building ones. Um, the one I said before about the uh, the boys having to figure out their role in the apocalypse and how that's done um, by by an archangel is, is a favorite. Uh, other than that, the mystery spot. Yes. Episode. It's Tuesday again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My Tuesday alarm is still a heat of the moment by Asia, and it will never <laughs> stop being that song <laughs> for that reason um other than that uh god finally being revealed probably one of my favorite things and that's that's also like that's a very personal thing when you look at my my advancement in my own personal beliefs um and how i I definitely like fell out with christianity which was i mean i was born and raised catholic uh church most of my life and then i I fell off of it because i just I, i believed in it less and less and then You finally meet God on this show. And when God's revealed the way God comes on and um, it was just beautiful, like not giving too much away, but the boys are basically backed into a corner by um, basically a plethora of baddies. And then the way God deals with them is he plays a guitar and sings a song and heals everything around him. And then when you actually meet God and you, you learn more about him and one character that pops up as an atheist and apologizes and God doesn't care. He's like, no, it's all part of the free will package. No problem (laughs) there at all. Um, And I got the idea of like, you know, if, if anything is out there, I hope it's like this. So (laughs) as weird as it is, like that was my hope for any sort of like deity or greater being was this shows representation of God when God's finally when God finally shows up.
1: Yeah, which they they definitely had fun with with mm-hmm. that reveal. Um, I guess the as a sign off here, the, the last thing I wanted to mention about Supernatural was was the music. Oh and, yes. Mm-hmm. And you find out in the very beginning of the show that you know like like Dean and his dad really bonded over classic rock. Mm-hmm and and so sam also did to an extent but not to the point that 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 dean did (laughs) and so (laughs) so the so seeing the impala is synonymous for me now um you know with with carry on my wayward son Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of other just classic rock that they they use throughout the series yep um but that that's also one of those aspects of the show that um really it just kind of took control of pop culture for a little while mm-hmm. and and i think that's really what we wanted to get to with supernatural was that this show did control a a good portion of pop culture for the last 15 years
0: yeah it really did um <laughs> and yeah and in a, in a in a funny moment um we've talked about our ghost busting days in the past and we showed up for a uh, a parade that we were in, and just when our group showed up, "Carry On My Wayward Son" came on, and all of the other Ghostbusters and different franchises were meeting. Like when we showed up, it was like "Bozo the Clown" thing was playing over the loudspeaker. <laughs> you guys get "Carry On My Wayward Son." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, the meaning was lost to a lot of people, mm-hmm. but for those of us in the crowd that were supernatural fans, were like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's worth biting the lip for right mm-hmm. there
0: <laughs> oh man ah uh, yeah
1: <laughs> but hey either way hats off to supernatural mm-hmm. you know congrats on 15 seasons we're gonna miss the shit out of you and i can't uh, say enough about the folks behind this show
0: no not at all and i am i'm very much looking forward to uh driving down to texas here soon and going to Jensen Eccles Brewery, which is called the family business, by the way, (laughs) uh, and having a beer and a pizza uh, at his place.
1: God damn it, I love these guys so much. I'm gonna miss the hell out of them. Mm thank you for listening to our conversation on Supernatural. There's a lot to be thankful for in this series as it was made by a very passionate crew that believed in what they were making. If you enjoyed this topic, why not mention this show to people who may enjoy as well? As we mention often, please comment, subscribe, and leave a review. This critically helps our show to continue. We love our listeners, and we'd love to keep bringing you more content.
0: Join us next week for some justice as we dig into the cinematic history of Judge Dredd. We're big fans of the 2012 reboot and think it's an absolutely criminal act that we haven't seen more of that character in popular media. We need more Dredd. And we believe on good authority, Carl Urban will even do it for free. until next time, keep on dissecting.